This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. I want to get things started off in a little fun way. Anybody like to uh, decorate during Christmas? Any of you that are decorating uh, Christmas fanatics? A few of you. I came across this and I wanted to share it with you. You got to be careful. Do you realize that on average, and I know we have several nurses here in this service, on average there are over 5,800 ER visits that are attributed to holiday decorating? That's why I don't do it. I'm telling you right now, I'm setting a new rule in my house. We don't need medical expenses, so we don't decorate for the holiday. No joke. 5,800 or so on average across the country are, are injuries because of holiday. That's some serious decorating, man. When you're breaking arms and pulling hamstrings running Christmas, you're working. So uh, there's one little fun thing. Another thing I came across that I found rather interesting. Anybody like gingerbread during the holidays? A few of you? This is a dieter's nightmare. The largest gingerbread man ever built was in 2006, and it was built at the gingerbread house in Rochester, Minnesota. That brother came in weighing 466 pounds and 6 ounces. How big was the brother that ate him? (laughs) Yeah. Last but not least, I thought this one was funny uh, before we get started this morning. Uh, Given the different time zones, given the different time zones, Santa has 31 hours to deliver the gifts worldwide. His reindeer really got to be on their A game because that comes down to 823 homes per second. You better keep believing. Everybody say, keep believing. My little girl leaned over to me in the, in the truck the other day. She said, Daddy, do you believe in Santa? I said, absolutely. Do you? And she said, mm-hmm. I said, good. Then we both believers. We both believers. Keep believing, everybody. Turn with me to the book of Luke. We get started this morning. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 10. I come to the pulpit today with a, you know, I don't really have a better way of saying it. I know it's a little... How I'm going to phrase this is a little dated. It kind of shows how I was brought up. You know, I was one of those lucky ones that grew up and around a church. And this is kind of preacher language. So I apologize if it's a little too churchy sounded. But I really don't have another way of saying it. But I come to preach today and I'm kind of burdened. I'm really burdened. And I guess if you're not really sure what that means is I feel really called today. To lift the load off of some of you by the help of the Lord. This morning, I know it's a Christmas season. And last Sunday was so thick. It was a heavy spirit of the Lord here last Sunday. I preached the first part of this series that I've called the miracle of Christmas. But the first part last Sunday, I preached a, a subtopic. If you recall, if you were here, peace on earth. And I have not been able to get away from it all week long. And this morning, I just want to press a little further, and I want to preach on blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed is the peacemaker, 
And I guess if I were to, if I were to be asked, Pastor Tommy, what, after this whole day is over and after you preach and after there's a response, what do you think would be a successful day? A successful day for me today would be for a lot of you, majority of you, to have the burden lifted off of you because not everyone in this room is at peace. Not to say that you're, that, that you're unhappy. Not to say that you're not satisfied. But you're not at peace. And it's my prayer today that by the help of the Spirit of God and the Word of the Lord, as those things combine and come together, I just pray that you can leave here at peace because that's God's will for your life. What God's will is for your life, if you're a believer and if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the will of God, if you really want to know, the will of God for you today is to make him your Lord and Savior and to be at peace. And that's what I want to preach about today. Blessed are the peacemakers. Luke chapter 2 will be our text, verse number 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The big walkaway point last Sunday, if you were here, what I was really wanting you to leave here remembering and fully grasping was this simple truth. There's never going to be true peace on earth. I know that the trouble with terror, the trouble with the economy, the trouble all across our world. I know that the trouble that's in the world makes us want to pray for peace. And it's okay to want that, and it's okay to pray for that. But if you were to really understand the end times that we're living in, the world's not becoming more peaceful. The world is actually becoming more and more troubled. And that is a part. It's not as though the will of God is to bring trouble on earth. The will of God is to set us free and rescue us out of the trouble that is coming on the earth. And I don't have time to go into a full in-depth Bible study. But we trace all this the way back to the Adamic nature that made itself known in the garden, in the garden of Eden, when choices were made to walk away from God and walk towards sin. That has now snowballed. Here's our simple Bible study this morning before we launch into our sermon. The simple Bible study is this. Sin, sin is still loose on earth. And people are still people. And when you have people full of sin, you've got trouble. So therefore, people with sin on earth, you have a troubled earth. 
But thanks be unto God that he sent his only begotten son, that he would come and give a different way of living that would ultimately be the means of salvation for each and every one of us and all of those on the planet earth. We now can have maybe not peace on earth, but we can have peace while on earth. And the truth is, instead of us praying for peace on earth, what we should be praying for is revival. A revival is kind of a preachery term, meaning that more and more and more and more and more people come to know Jesus as their Lord. Because if you can give your sin to Jesus in exchange for his righteousness, you have his favor. And what the book of Luke chapter 2 verse 14 says, when you have his favor, you can have his peace. And the more people on the planet earth with God's peace, can you see how it works? The more peaceful we all will have uh, an experience with. So with that being said, our walkaway point last week is that Jesus did not bring peace to the earth. Jesus came on earth to offer peace to those on the earth. My prayer for you this very Sunday is that before I dismiss you in the next few minutes, that you'll take advantage of your time. You are sitting here with the incredible gift of time. God's blessed you with enough oxygen in your lungs for another day. And I pray in the name of the Lord that this would be the day that you would come and know his peace and his favor. Someone say amen today. Now, to our text, we, we, we jump now. We kind of jump into what our walkaway points will be on this day. And that is, that is this. Where do we lose our peace? Anybody ever lost some car keys or a cell phone or a wallet? The good news is this. You don't lose peace like you lose a tangible object. To be honest with you, you really don't lose peace. Peace is taken from you. There are peace makers but trust me, there are peace takers. We lose our peace to people. People take our peace. These people could be in the same home with us. They could be sitting on the pew with us. Nudge your neighbor and say, that dude's preaching about you right now. Did you hear that? He's preaching about you. People, people take peace from other people. And I guess my heaviness today is because I know that there are plenty of us in this room today that we've lost peace in our lives and we lost it to other people. And I just want to kind of show us in hindsight what I've learned from life in 2020, as you all have said in, in the rearview mirror. You can learn a lot through, through hindsight. I want to kind of show you what my thing is, my take is uh, on, on how we lose this peace to other people. What's the progression? What are the steps taken where peace kind of goes out the front door of our lives to other people? First of all, it happens when we recognize a distance with someone. Now, I'm not referring to a space of, of measurement, an inch or a foot or 10 feet. We lose peace to people when we see there's a distance between us and them or him or her in thought, in belief, in conviction, in opinion, 
Let me make it plain. If I have a thought that is this, and this individual has a thought that is that, there's a distance between us. It could be something extremely sensitive like doctrine. It could be something sensitive like politics. It could be something sensitive like the taste of a hamburger. Karen just looked at me sideways. I meant that to be a sideways comment. Believe it or not, it could be something serious or something really minor. The fact is, it's a distance. We see it differently than they see it. Husbands see one thing. Wives see another thing. Parents see one thing. Children see another thing. Uh, a Republican sees one thing. A Democrat sees one thing. Uh, a Northerner sees one thing. A Southerner sees one thing. Uh, an American sees one thing. And a foreigner to American sees one thing. There's a distance there. But this is what happens. That's just the first step. And everyone in this room, we have a distance. I have a distance with you. You have a distance with me. You have a distance with the one you're sitting next to. But here's where things get messy is when we see the distance and we're troubled by the distance because our pride will not acknowledge that they can have their own opinion. Our pride rises up and we say, but their opinion is not my opinion, so their opinion's wrong. One elder in this church told me one time we were standing on a we were standing rather on a fishing bank. We were sitting there fishing, and he said, "Opinions, man, they're like noses. Everybody's got one. Some people has big ones like me. Other people have cute little ones like you. But we all have opinions, don't we? Guess what happens when that distance is acknowledged and recognized, and we don't appreciate the other viewpoint." of our family member or our co-worker or our neighbor or our, or our stranger, what do we do? Here's where we're going this morning. We build a wall. We build walls. We think that we're building the wall to protect ourselves from this evil, wrong, uh, misunderstood perception of someone. Their opinion is so wrong, I've got to build a wall. Well, walls never build relationships. Walls speak volumes, and that volume of, of what's being spoken is, I don't trust you. I don't need you. I don't want to be around you. I don't like you. I, I don't want any association with you. So I build a wall. I'm thinking I'm building this wall up to protect myself from you, but in reality, what I'm doing is isolating myself. I'm cutting myself off from someone. Are you tracking with me? Stay with me this morning. Everybody say, wake up. Yeah, good, good job. I build this wall up. Well, guess what I do once my wall's built? I start making a bigger deal out of the little bit of a distance that I had with you. Now that I got a wall up, I escalate things and I really blow it out of proportion because I'm behind my little wall and I start thinking about it. I start stewing in it. I start wallering in it. I start having all kind of opinions about it. And the next thing you know, a day goes by, a week goes by, a year goes by. I've cut myself off from you. And once what was just a small little distance, a difference in opinion, now I've blown that thing up to smithereens. And it's a big, major issue. Your kids would say, Daddy, why don't we ever go to Uncle Ricky's house anymore? Because your Uncle Ricky's a fool. 
Why is he a fool, Daddy? I haven't seen Uncle Ricky in a, in a year and a half. Yeah, and you ain't ever going to see Uncle Ricky. You tell me if Uncle Ricky ever comes by. What's wrong with Uncle Ricky? Uncle Ricky put onions on my hamburger. Y'all remember my little principle about onions. If you were here last week, it's the principle of a thing. We made a big deal out of something small. Because behind the wall, we blow it up. And the next thing you know, it becomes a real big deal. And if we really had a sober moment in our minds, Mackenzie Law, we could trace it back to something really, really minor. But not today. It's a big deal. Guess what happens? When, when we believe the lie of the, es the escalation has now become a false belief. It's become a lie. We fall for it. And now we become very hostile. We have bitterness in us. We have anger in us. We're harboring, as we'll get into in a moment in Scripture, we're holding on to things, and we've passed them on to our children. We've passed them on to our grandchildren. And the next thing you know, it's just a real big mess. All because of a little distance. All because of a little distance. Families are divided through divorce. All because of a little distance. Families are cut off from in-laws all because of a little distance. If you really want to get extreme, we'll go country music. A little distance calls the Hatfields and McCoys. A little distance. And once you have hostility rise within you, the next thing you know, you start war. You start war with people. You start war with yourself. And Kara, if you're not careful, it could end up and in, in, in develop into war with God. All because of a little distance. And what am I preaching about? You've just lost your peace. To whom? To people. To Uncle Ricky? To Miss Smith? To Mr. Jones? To you name it. You've just lost the gift of peace. What do you mean by that, Pastor Tommy? It's a gift. Well, the Bible tells me in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus himself speaks these words in the Living Bible's translation of Scripture. I'm leaving with you a gift. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm leaving with you a gift. The gift of peace of mind and the peace of heart. Right here. Mind and heart. Peace. I'm leaving it with you. And it's not fragile like the world's peace. I'm leaving you peace that goes beyond understanding. I'm leaving you a peace that this world cannot comprehend. I'm leaving it to you. It's yours. And then what do we do with it? We lose it to people all because of a difference of opinion, all because of a moment of frustration, all because of a bad look or a misspoken word or a misunderstanding that becomes a bigger deal than it ever should have been. And we got walls built. We've cut ourselves off from everybody. Now we don't email back. We don't return the phone call. Now we don't do the holiday event with them. Now we've got generations that don't understand why they never get together anymore, all because of a difference. In distance. That is the depiction, that is the picture, that is the story, that's the life of a peacetaker. So if that's the peacetaker's life, then what does the peacemaker look like? What is the lifestyle, what is the composition of a peacemaker's life look like? Well, you can never find 
peace unless you make peace. Make peace, Pastor Tommy? You don't know what they've done to me. Make, make peace for real, Pastor Tommy? You don't know what they've said to me. You're really telling me to make peace, Pastor Tommy? You don't know the whole life story here. This goes back generations, and you want me to make peace? I'm not asking you to resolve the issue because issues will always be. We'll always have differences of opinion. We'll always have frustration with one another. We'll always see things differently. Why? Because we're all different. And thank God for it that we're all different. We all think independently from one another. We all speak differently. We live differently. We act differently. We look differently. We sound differently. We're all different. So therefore, there's always going to be differences. But how many of you ever heard it said, uh, I just choose, I agree to disagree? Well, that's not just some silly saying. Agreeing to disagreeing is not just some silly saying. It's actually a truth. This, my friends, is the loving thy Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor. Even when he doesn't look like you, sound like you, live like you, act like you, talk like you, it's given some space for God's grace to be at work. Someone say amen this morning. Giving somebody a pass. I don't know if they do this in school anymore. When I was a kid, man, if you had to go somewhere down the hall, you'd get a hall pass. That means I got a little pass. I can go where I want, how I want, when I want. I got a little pass. Anybody, anybody old enough to remember a little pass? Yeah, you got a pass. Yes, yeah, you got a pass. Well, guess what? You need to give some people some, a pass. You need to give them a pass, man. They're not going to be like you. They're not going to do anything like you. Because why? They're not like you. And if you're not careful, again, I don't have the time to deal with this, but if you're not careful, the, that, that mindset of expectation that they must be like you, man, now you're crossing over into some legalist stuff. You're crossing over into some self-righteous stuff. You're crossing over into some thumb control stuff. You're crossing over to some weird control issues. And you'll never be at peace when you don't allow people to be themselves. Somebody say amen. I'm, I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. I mean, I'm preaching up here. I'm preaching up, uh, up here. We need to kick the response a little bit up here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All two of you. Since you're not responding, I'm going to drink some water. Settle in your heart the issue you have with other people. If it's an ex-husband, if it's an ex-wife, if it's a stepfather, if it's, a fa if it's your biological father that's missing, that's walked out on you and your family. I told you this morning, I've come heavy today. I'm, I'm burdened for some of you because I know how desperately you want peace. You want to sleep better at night. You feel as though your family's been completely broken because of the divorce. 
You've grown up without a daddy. You've grown up without a mother. You've grown up in the homes of foster parents. You've, you've got all kind of stuff going on in your life. And you just want peace. Let this preacher help some of you this morning. You're never going to find peace the way you desperately want it. Looking for just somebody to get along. Because people are never going to fully get along. What you're in need of is the peace of God that goes beyond understanding, that can breathe into your life a sense of comfort, a sense of healing. Each and every one of us in this room, we have an empty space in our heart. All of us do. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how much stuff you've lived through. It doesn't matter how much of the hell that you've lived your life in, whether it's a whether it's a large amount or very minor, we all have a moment and a spot, a space in our heart that we need to have the peace of God. And ladies and gentlemen, it comes first. You'll never find it until you make peace with the issues you have. I would never in a million years ask you to raise your hand if you recognize you have issues because most people wouldn't raise their hand because most people don't recognize it. But if you would ask us if we recognize it in you, we see it in you. And you see it in us. We all have issues. Can I preach to you a little bit this morning? In the month of February, you're going to hear me preach about it. I preached about it in February 2015, and I'll preach about it in February 2016. The absolute plan of God for your life is he wants to save you, and he wants to set you free from your issues. Your salvation is instant. Your salvation is as easy, but it will cost you everything. But yet your issues being removed out of your life is a process. And some of you need to recognize you've got some issues to deal with. And most of them come back to that peace taker in your life. Someone's made themselves available to you and you've just dumped your peace on them. And they've taken it from you. You'll never find peace until you make peace. How do you make peace? You make peace by settling the issues that you have. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Tommy? How do I make peace? You do it through reconciliation. You do it by reconciliation. If you have a checkbook, you've, you've reconciled it, I hope, at some point. You've reconciled it. Meaning you've brought it to a balance of zero. Meaning you've put enough in your checking account to bring it to a balance of zero of what you've owed and what you've spent. Let's talk about people for a moment. People have taken from you. They've taken from you. They've taken from you. They've taken your joy, your peace, your sanity. And all of a sudden, you're running into the deficit. You're running in the red. How do you reconcile? You offer forgiveness. And with every, every word of forgiveness, you're bringing the balance to zero. You reconcile. You make things right. Watch this in Scripture this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. <clears throat> I'm, yes, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. What we see here is God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Verse 21. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness. 
being made right. My last point for the day before we go into a time of prayer is you cannot reconcile until you've been reconciled. Let me tell you why we struggle in freeing people up and forgiving people and letting things go. Because we've not fully given him all the stuff that he's wanting to set us free from. I've shared this with you through the years. And I'm so thankful that not everyone can relate to what my struggle is. Some of you, I envy your walk with God. I envy your, literally, I envy so many of you, your, your true, innocent, beautiful, childlike faith in God's grace. But you see, I was brought up, I came up in a, in a world, and it wasn't my mother and father's doings, because they were brought up in the same world. It wasn't my grandparents' doings. They were brought up in the same world. You see, I'm a fifth generation Christian that was brought up with the mindset that I would really never be good enough unless I did enough. Well, every time I thought I did enough, I would screw something up. I would sin again. And I would go back working to do enough. You know the cycle. I'd sin again. Then I'd have to do some more. And then I would sin again. The true gospel of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with how much you do. It has only everything to do with what Jesus did. You'll never be able to reconcile with other people until you fully understand the... And maybe I shouldn't say understand. Until you fully embrace the grace of Jesus Christ. When you can get set free from the pressure of performance, when you can be set free from the pressure of works and, 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 and having to dot every I and cross every T and having to have perfection in every way of your life, until you can be set free from that, sure, you're always going to keep lists on everybody else. You're always going to remember everyone else's wrongdoings towards you and wrongdoings towards others. You'll remember the wrong look. You'll remember the wrong words spoken to you. You'll remember the wrong way they treated you. You'll keep a list. You might smile at them. You might wave at them. But down deep, you harbor. You hold on to. You cling to bad feelings toward them. You gave them your peace. The very gift that Jesus gave you, like a box with a bow on it. He says, open this up. It's the peace of heart and mind. But yet we just take that box and we just give it away because we cannot receive from Jesus. And when we can't receive from Jesus, we can't give to others. So we walk around with this guilt and condemnation, which is not of God, by the way. Conviction comes through the Holy Spirit. But guilt and condemnation is the work of the enemy. It's working your flesh. And you start kicking yourself in the backside. You start questioning everything you're doing. And you start doubting the grace of Jesus. You doubt that long enough, you won't even come to church. You won't even believe in the word of God because of the guilt and condemnation. But I pray in the name of the Lord that some of you will be saturated, baptized, washed all over again today with the peace that Jesus 
wants to reconcile you. What does that mean, Pastor Tommy? He wants to bring your balance to zero. He's already written the check to bring your balance to zero. All the sin that you've ran into the deficit of your life, all the wrongdoings that you've done that have dug yourself a hole of sin debt, he's already given you a check called the blood of Jesus Christ that has brought that sin debt up to a balance of zero. Here's the right word for the day. He's given you his righteousness, which is meaning you've been made right with God. What Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross has made you right with God. When God sees you, the one that has unwrapped the gift and has thanked him for the peace of heart and mind, when you thanked him for that and you've called on him and you've given him your full life, when God sees you, he sees you as somebody that's right. Not because of you, but because you got the gift. The gift of his salvation. And when you've been made right, <laughs> And you've fully embraced the grace of Jesus. That's when you can reconcile with others. Because you remember what he's forgiven you of. I said it this way right here around this area. After the first service was over, everybody was leaving. Some gentleman came up and we were talking. And I wish I would have said it in my sermon because it was really good. But I said it this way to him, so luckily I can say it to you in this service. When I struggle with forgiving people, it's because I'm so on autopilot that I have forgotten what he's forgiven me of. I've gotten so lazy, and I've gotten so fat, and don't say amen. I've gotten so fat in my ways. I'm so on autopilot. I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. I'm a son of God. I've gotten so comfortable with the fact that I'm saved that I have forgotten that I'm in the process of having my issues forgiven and worked out. And when I have a moment, Caleb, where I can't forgive somebody, when I bring up all they've done to me, when I have a weak moment in my life and I have a, have a, have a thought that's not of God, it's because I have forgotten what all he's done for me. But when I'm in my right righteous when I'm in my right mind and I'm aware I'm sober enough to realize how much he's forgiven me of I can forgive anybody because I recognize how much he's done for me man my my temper will flash my, my boy, I'll be running hot over something I'll be uncontrollable about something I'll be wanting to rip the head off of somebody it's because I haven't remembered what he did for me. And if I can just wake myself up, Keith, if I can just wake myself up, Rain, if I can just have a moment where I think, oh, but look at where God's brought me from. Man, I give somebody a pass. And, and, and the response is, how are you okay with this? Because he's okay with this. How is he okay with this? I don't know how he's okay with this, but I can be okay with this. Let me just recap you this morning before I pray over you. Matthew says, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God, the children of God. Another portion of scripture in the New Testament says, the peacemakers that sow peace shall reap righteousness. You have seed in your pocket in life. You have seed of bitterness. 
You've got seed to spread around the world of, of racism. You've got seed to spread around of, of bigotry. You've got seed in your pocket of hatred. You've got seed. You can throw it around of envy and covetousness. You can throw this seed out. Well, guess what you're going to reap? You're going to reap what you sow. Or you have seed of peace and love and forgiveness. You have seed to plant in somebody's life. Give them a pass. They're not perfect. You're not either. But you sow a little seed out there. And when you sow seed of peace, you reap the harvest of righteousness. Hallelujah. I know it's a little different for Christmas, but I got to preach my heart today. I want some of you to have a good Christmas. And you're wondering how in the world you're not going to, how are you going to have a good Christmas because you've got problems and drama and family and community and you've got all this stuff that's taking your peace. Get right with God. Get right with people. And be okay with the differences. You'll have the best Christmas of your life. I want you to stand. Prayer partners, come quickly this morning. Let's clap our hands to Jesus Christ one more time. Give me just a few seconds of your time. All over this room, I hope your heart is open. Because what I'm about to do is the most important thing of my day, of my week, of my life. And it happens to be the most important thing of yours. Everybody can look at me real quick today. Just give me your attention for a few seconds. If you're carrying something in your heart that you need to give to Jesus, you have something in your life that you just need to let go of. You just need to let go of it. I plead with you to take advantage of the next few minutes. The people that stand at the front today are not counselors, they're not therapists. They don't have to have any idea of anything going on in your world if you choose not to. The only reason I have them here is because I believe that prayer's oftentimes a little easier when you have somebody else telling you that's going to be okay and that God can. In other words, these are people that just want to agree with what you're wanting to pray about. If you've got anything in your life that you just need to let go of and you need to turn it over to God, there's, if, there's, if you've been holding, the Bible says if you've been harboring envy and anger and selfish ways, if, you, if you're holding these things in and you've got stuff that's eating you from the inside out, oh, I pray in the name of the Lord over the, about, the, about the next 15 seconds, I'm going to open up the altar and I want you to come and I want you to give it to Jesus. And how do you do that? You literally just let him bring your balance to zero. You just offer him what you have. It's in this hand. I offer to you what I have.
It's not pretty. It's bad. It's not good things. And God gives you what he has, and the scales are balanced. Every eye closed and head bow. If you want him to balance your budget. If you want Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. I want you to quickly without ever thinking about it. Without even considering what's next. I want you to take a step quickly. And come to this altar right now. I want to pray with you. I want these prayer partners to pray with you. Right now. Won't you come this morning. If you want to give Jesus your life. You want to just give him whatever it is you've been holding on to. You just want to let go of some things. God bless you for coming. God bless you for coming. It's almost as though, it's almost as though chains are going to fall at your feet today because, man, you've been walking around with stuff for a long time, and God bless you for coming. God bless you and that child. God bless you today. You've, you, you've,